Welcome back to Life Behind Bars, where amateur riding meets up for a coffee and a cake with pro peloton opinion. With me this week, as ever, the Joe Pasquale to my Pascal Ackerman, Stephen Balby. Good Lord. Good Lord. And the Bobby Davro to my Bobby Julik. 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 Ah, you ruined it. <laughs> it was a good one as yeah, well. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I can't do a Bobby. Is there a Bobby Julie? I wanted to you because we, you know, yeah. Well, so there we go. I've gone European. Yes. Right. And he's a yank. Yeah. Anyway, Bobby Julik's an interesting guy. Why? Well, wait. I don't want to talk about Bobby Julik just yet. I want to talk about me. I'm Graham Bobby Wilgos. Julek. Now you can Another talk about Bobby Julik. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to say about Bobby? Well, he's an interesting guy, isn't he? Why? Uh, well, he wore spectacles while while racing. That made him look interesting. Uh, he was also finishing, having finished. Third in the 1998 Tour de France. Uh, he then never did anything else, but he gave the impression that he was clean in an era where no one else was, and he ultimately retired slightly, I'm going to say slightly embittered, uh, but probably wiser for the experience, and he would be an interesting guy to, if you got him drunk. <laughs> do, you think he based, do you think he based his look a bit on Fignon? Because he wore glasses, didn't he, while he was riding too? No, it was pure Julik. Pure Julik, it was nothing. It was an original. Yeah. Um, let's get him on the show and get him drunk. Let's do that. Okay, that's all right. Bobby? He did confess it, didn't he? Bobby, Wait, are, you saying, are you just giving the lie to everything I said <laughs> by saying that he confessed to doping? I'm pretty sure he did. Did he? Yeah. Oh, he got corrupted. It's terrible. I we'll, have to, we'll have to check that before like it goes last. out. But. Oh, he got corrupted. Bobby Julik aside, or thoughts of Bobby Julik aside, <laughs> what have we been doing this week, boys? Welcome back. I've been, we, I've been riding my bike. Yes, yes. glad one of us have. I have two, but only two and from work. Uh, I rode mine we'll, we'll 100 miles yeah. um, on my own. Solid. On my Todd. Very solid, on your own. And in fact, you did 90Ks in three hours, didn't you? I did, yeah. I slowed down a bit after that because I then did um, more, I, more of the hills. So uh, it finished in about five and a half hours. More of the hills. Yeah. Just, <laughs> can you be a bit vaguer for us? Yeah. <laughs> the Surrey Hills. I did Box Hill and uh, around there. Around there. Um, so that's rare there? for someone in London to head out to boxing. It never yeah, happens. Yeah. Curious. It? <laughs> what was really not, the most annoying thing about it is I wanted to do 100 miles, get 100 miles with my legs, and I got back, and I still had 10k to go, and it was really galling. So you obviously had a reasonably long day in the saddle then. It was like five and a half hours gone, all just under, and um, so I just rode into work for 5k, turned around and came back because I couldn't really think of what else to do, to be honest. You don't have to be a slave to the numbers, Travis. No, no, that's I w- not what Travis for. <laughs> no, but I do appreciate the... Ticking off the 100. ...needs to get yeah. to I mean, the I say that, that, that we've all century done milestone. Yeah. I mean, I, I came from the generation of people who would go out uh, when there weren't other riders on the road and, and you were typically thought of as a pariah for doing so. And and whenever you did happen across another rider, it was such an unusual event. Um, it's been in the south of England. I don't know what else it was like around the world, but uh, uh, that you would end up, you know, you would automatically be, be their best mate or their worst enemy. You would either ride with them or you would race against them. And obviously, everyone has a story. They went fifty miles out of their way to race someone mm. <laughs> until they eventually turned off, and you realise, oh, I don't know where I am. I'm in like Worcestershire. Mm. Um, well, if if um. Uh, if I'm at, if my bike holds together, which is uh, um, a consideration at the moment, um, I will probably get in a few more races tomorrow because I'm going to do a, a hundred miles tomorrow as well. And you're going from London to to Wiltshire, Wiltshire but I'm going to go via the White Horses, so it maybe end up about hundred. Why aren't you going to go to the pub? 
The white horse pub. Yeah, that's Why aren't you going thing. to take up my suggestion and Do the go via the Ridgeway? Because I want to go and see the white horse. Where is the white horses though? Uh, there's one. There's white horse of Westbury and there's white horse of Uffingham. Where are the white they horses? They are for US US listeners. What are white horses? Basically, it's a chalk outline of a horse that was first created in about 1500 BC. Yes, as exciting as that. And uh, the other one was created in about 1700. And um, oh. <laughs> it's less a little good. later to the yeah, party. A later. It's just occurred to me actually, Steve. You mentioned uh, for our American listeners, uh, they'll have a good idea of who Bobby Julik is. Bobby Davro, probably not so much. <laughs> and the same with Joe Pasquale, yeah, so Pascal Ackerman. Cater to um, nationalities. Should we explain who they are briefly? Joe I mean, Pasquale, Bobby Davro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you um, either know or you don't. I mean, if, you know, if you know who Tom Connor is, then you know who those guys yeah. are. Bog average English comedian. Unless you want to give a very unobscure California comedian as, as a sort of frame of reference. Tom Arnold? Tom. Oh, no, he was in True Lies, wasn't he? Yeah. The Tom Arnold to my Arnold, well, no, Arnold, Arnold Demar. Yes. How about that? Yeah, okay, there we go. Anyway, Steve. Moving on. Steve, you haven't been on your bike, have you? No, the best no, cyclist no, been, of the three been, of us hasn't been, been on sad, his bike. It's been a sad year, really. Um, a sad year, wow. Because <laughs> I, I did a pretty disappointing dis, uh, performance at the Marmot last year, given what I... I beat both of us. David and myself. Well, it's because after I, you capitulated with Cramp, which was inevitable, I sort of <laughs> thought, uh, I'm not going to bother anybody, so I've beaten him, that's all I cared about. Yeah, right. And then afterwards, I reflected and I thought, oh, I didn't do myself justice. So I, I was going to take it uber seriously and, and train and all winter. Think about and, those of us... Yeah, well, I just who, haven't got any training for, in at all. And now for whom just finishing of, is, is a, a, well, would be an achievement. Well, I face the dilemma because I now do have the opportunity finally to start training in earnest. <laughs> to know what that's like. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I could also go the other way. This is tempting to do no training. It's possible to oh. I just don't think it would be the, mo- the least amount of fun. You're still in shape, though. Like, you're not carrying any Oh, no, extra, I've got nothing in my legs. Absolutely. There's, there's just... I'm really, empty air in my I'm really worried about Lou. You know when you ride and you're out of shape and there's just empty air in, inside your quads? Yes. I yeah. have been cycling this week. Mm. Uh, so I've been working office hours for a particular launch thing that mm. I won't go into that we've been doing at work. Yes. Have demanded uh, a one thirty variously a one thirty AM finish and a uh, a close to midnight finish. Yeah. And both of those have been preceded by early mornings and, in fact, followed by early mornings. Um, so it's sort of uh, half five starts, right? Yeah. The joy of riding your bike for an I mean, early start. I mean, there's no traffic. Particularly. Oh, a late finish is a bit bit different because it's, still, you know, and it can feel a bit moody, yeah. especially in London, you know, going back through sort of southwest London. But did you have the chance to go down empty roads? Largely empty roads. Oh, and, and, like, and But the, even the... The importance of riding in when you're okay, you're feeling. You've all, we've all been there, feeling a bit knackered. Okay, it's much easier to get whatever your mode of transport in that's not your bicycle yeah. into work. You can so easily do that, and you've got a, you know half an hour extra at home, whatever it is at home. Riding your bike, particularly when you are in that position, yeah. it's such a, a psychological boost. Even when, even if you're knackered, you feel better at your desk. You just, you? You're going to feel better for it. You are going to feel better for it, and it's a, it's just psychologically, also, you, I, you feel like you got a bit of fresh air. I felt like I hadn't seen. Daylight for about three yeah, days, yeah, yeah. or at least been out in daylight. So I really, going I really appreciated it the best, and it was because you have the release of being out, and especially if it's late and the roads. Because anyone who doesn't live in London, the roads in London are never empty, no, except when it's about one a.m. 
and and then that feeling of knowing what it's like to go down the road through Holland Park and Kensington, which is a three lane sort of highway. And in the mornings, there's you're just you can get literally crushed between cars, and I've seen it happen. Mm. And then suddenly it's empty, and you can just speed along there, and and you're so relieved, and you're on such a high. You can so I you know I've ridden along there, sort of screaming with joy. I give a give a bus rider a little fist bump when he yeah. well he he pulled up after having pulled out and nearly crushing me between a, a sort of stagecoach. So on so my right. Thanks for not and gave him a fist well, bump. Well, he, he stopped and then put his put his hand out to say, yeah. you know, sorry, I, sorry, I, I did that basically. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know, yeah, just got to us, say, look, mate, I appreciate Julie Andrews. I appreciate that you were you yeah. were good enough to to say, you know, sorry, I nearly I I, I cocked up there. The, and majo- just, the majority of drivers are completely pleasant about cyclists. It's just the minority that um, yeah, cause a problem. Yeah, we, we know this. And I was having a conversation with someone on, on well, it's, it's social like, earlier You could say week. that about cyclists, though, couldn't you? It's well, yeah, but I was having a conversation earlier this week. It's actually it's mm. purely down to impatience because my experience of riding through London is actually not that bad at all. I, I, I rarely have any trouble. And you gun it as well. Because I gun it. So people don't get impatient. I don't, well, and yeah, I, it's not... It's not uh, and I, my, my theory is because a lot of the people, uh, I've, I've been questioning people who said, I have a nightmare every time. And they said, well, how, how quickly do you go? And it's not their but that's fault. Not, yeah, it's not it's to not, say it's, it's their not fault, their fault at I'm all. Saying, but that means that the reason that drivers act like, the, the few drivers that do act it's like impatience. they do, is just impatience, which is criminal. Yeah, and that's because what it's, it's entitlement, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's entitlement. Well, they see cyclists as an easy target. No, what? I don't think it's that. Well, I think it's not just human nature. It's, it's impatient entitlement. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I was walking home from work, um, happened to be walking from an office in Luton to Harpenden, which is four miles away. And to, go, to get back, you have to walk along. It's much quicker to go across a field, which is technically a private field, but it's just a field. Right. And I jumped a gate and it didn't say private property. And some woman pulled up immediately in a car and said, sir, sir, do you know that's private property? And I said, well, do you own this land? And she thought for about two seconds and she said, yes. I was like, oh, okay, sure, sure, you own the land. And, and, but it was clear, and I knew this straight away, that she pulled over, basically. I wasn't doing anyone any harm. I was just a man in a suit walking home across a track, basically. And she just decided, because she'd had a bad day, that she was going to stop and, and have a go. This is a story where you are trespassing and then complaining no. about someone stopping you for doing it. No, the thing is, it's not trespassing, because well, I've gone out with many running clubs. So they're just fields. You're not trampling over crops. You're just running along a track and you're doing no one any harm. And I've been with many running groups who do it. And and someone to pull over and say, oh, we claim they own the land, preposterous, and say you're doing harm. Well, it's, it's, no one's doing any harm. It's you've had a shit day at work and you want to take it out on someone. And I, I think, you know, cars, you're conditioned to see cyclists as, as an easy mark. It's conditioning, social conditioning. And the more we go down this path of, everyone doing it take 15 20 years ago i had to run to the edge of town um before i could you know or, or ride with tracksuit bombs on and and now everyone's doing it and we'll get there and motorists will realize that cyclists have as much right to be on the roads as they do if not more so it's, it's a not, process it's, but it will not necessarily a binary thing a lot of idiots get behind the wheel and and as but i say feel that there, sense there, are, of there are a lot of drivers and so it's a big enough uh you know, set of people that you'll find idiots amongst them, right? That's just statistics. Yeah, but it's Statistically, there'll be idiots amongst them. most drivers are not. Nice. Anyway, should we go racing? Uh, let's. Do you know, I had. A, I had. I mean, you've been racing. I had, you've been an, I had an inverted. I inadvertently had a race up Box Hill, 
with so after I'd, after inadvertently I'd, had a race. No, on no, Box no Hill. this is true. Bear you with me. So, have, if there is anyone on Box Hill, you will be having a race. <coughs> but you whistle. Did. Oh no, no, it was an accident. No, no you come up against. Did you go? Your race is to go follow someone and then just come up their side and whistle. Uh, <laughs> oh my god look how easy I'm finding yeah. this I'm Which even whistling just an allowable defence if someone pulled out a knife and stabbed on the way into work not that Stephen is advocating <laughs> violence against anyone who pulls up much, alongside much them on a bicycle and whistles is to go past someone where you're like adjusting something on your bike as you do it that's that's the real that's the sweet spot you, you like to have a stretch then you unclip one leg yeah, and have yeah, a stretch have a on the bike yeah. Past, yeah. so no what happened is on the way up to Box Hill this guy came just hammering it past me and he was obviously i thought oh he's just getting his legs ready for it and i'd already done um uh, 70 odd miles by this point and and i was kind of feeling a bit of cramp coming on so i was i just made sure i was just spinning and he was maybe about 30 meters ahead of me and i was just kind of keeping it spinning blah blah, blah. and i'd started catching up to him do we believe that david was just spinning i couldn't go any faster because i'd have cramped and i couldn't get up out of the saddle either so i pulled very wide of him has David to ever told a story him. about cycling where he hadn't just crashed? This, is, this, sounds, like, this sounds like a humble brag, but yeah, carry so on. No, so, so, and then, but then he looked over his shoulder, looked panicked, and then went off again. And this happened three or four times. And he'd obviously slow, kind of slow down because he, but he was breathing so heavily on, as well. on the two point two k. What's the average? On the what's the so Box Hill zigzag climb is two point two k. It's five to six. Yeah, five to six percent, two point two k. So it's tiny. You still feel climb. it. Though. You still feel it. It's enough. And but it's a hill, so it's go, as hard as you make it. Going on basically. to the top tier because there's three tiers of it, and three hairpins. He really, really accelerated that time and got maybe, maybe. 50 meters ahead of me and then again I slowly along the top tier caught up to him and I was but this time I kind of hung back a bit but he still looked over his shoulder again and then got out at the last bit as we all know has a, has a little um it, it's the steepest part of it it's the last 150 meters and he got up out of the saddle and really started going for it and went nowhere like absolutely nowhere so I, I was just still doing the same cadence and got alongside him and I realized that he obviously thought I was racing the whole way so I shouted at him and went, come on, you can do it. And he got out of his saddle again and hammered it over the line. I was going, lay, 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 lay. as he finished over there and he gave me a little me? wave. And he said, oh, he, really? beat, and he, said uh, he beat his best time. <laughs> he, he must have, I mean, well. He said he beat his best time. And then he went off on his way and I went and bought some cake. And can you imagine the, imagine the story that he's telling this evening? Yeah, this absolute <laughs> arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's try that. Let's yeah, see if that's yeah, extended. Yeah. Or he's got a podcast somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> let's, go, let's all go to Box Hill and mm. cheer, start cheering for you along and see what I suspect, because he looked in good shape, I suspect he'd been doing loops. I think he'd done it a few times already, because he was breathing really heavy, he looked in good shape, and that was a seven-minute climb, but it wasn't quick. Um, so I think he'd been he'd been doing quite a lot of loops of it. But nevertheless, he was... Um, yeah. Talking of hills yes. slash mountains, yes. shall we go into part two, which will be the, the Giro. Giro. And actual mountains, and actual finally. racing yeah. on actual mountains. Let's do it. Join us for part two. Yeah. Concise. Welcome back to I'm, part I'm two. I'm leaving that bit. Yeah. That lovely. That's concise. <laughs> Everyone likes to write their own reviews, don't they? <laughs> I was talking about us as a group. <laughs> I was talking about us as a group. I'm, I'm not having that. I, I will. Well, listen, all, all we, we do know die is on that mountain. Thank you very much. <laughs> talking of mountains, yes. all we do know is it's no longer concise. So yes, talking <laughs> to mountains. Talking of mountains. Welcome back to part two of Life Behind Bars. The Giro d'Italia. Finally, some racing. We've we've made it to stage twelve. Uh, so this is being recorded on, what's today, Wednesday? 
Thursday. It's Thursday, it's Thursday. all day. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it's been Thursday all day today. Uh, stage 12, um, we've, we've finally made the mountains, David. Cesar Benedetti, Bora's, and then Bora having an excellent season. Mm. Um, Cesar Benedetti is taking... Who knew that Bora had so much talent? Well, no. Yeah. I mean, Shackman. Yeah. He's, 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 uh, Bennett had a, a brilliant um, yeah. brilliant Paris-Nice. Ackerman has been standout Formula sprinter. Formula was fantastic in... He's, well, in the classics, yeah. but he's... Yeah, that's it. That Slovakian guy. Well, yeah, yeah Slovakian. Yeah. Who's not had a great season, <laughs> actually, ironically. That Slovakian so, rider, yes. So that, that's yeah. Slovakian, yeah. Curious. Yes. Um, so anyway, Cesar Benedetti took victory. Uh, he it was, was, it, he was, it was really impressive, actually, because um, he was in the break of about 25. About seven of them broke away, and he was often just off the back of them, but rode his own tempo the whole climb. And uh, it was incredibly impressive. He was quite young, I think, and uh, there were lots of attacks, and he just maintained his own tempo and got to the top on his own, and then eventually won the sprint. Um, he was dropped probably about seven, eight, nine times going up that climb and then just maintain his pace. Well, we'll keep this reasonably brief because by the time we're, we're out, it will be uh, a, a new story to tell. But well, who won today? Well, Benedetti, Benedetti took, took the stage. Right. So, Jan Polank, UAE, uh, Team Emirates, has the overall lead. So he's in right. pink. That was, um, that was clever tactics. So he took it. Because well, he took it from Valerio Conti. Was his teammate. What happened between the GC guys? Well, so Roglic is now second on GC. Was well, still second on GC, I should say, at four minutes seven seconds. Uh, Conti drops to third at four fifty one. Uh, Kapeki is uh, so Dakota Quickstep. There's no change among two seconds. major GC, but Lopez and Alanda took about 23, 24 seconds, I think. What you'll be desperate to know is Nibley at, at fifth, um, in fifth, I should say. Um, and then followed by Balka Molima, uh, Trek Segafredo, of course. Uh, so, what people want to Ro- know is... seemingly quite comfortable at four minutes, seven seconds. Right, he, so is, he is obviously going to win it. on Roglic on Team Yonder. So, Astana did the classic, send yeah. a couple of people up the road and... Um, Superman jumped on. Uh, Lander eventually went with him, and they were let go. To be fair, I don't. It was fairly near the top of the climb. There's still 30k to go, and they reeled them back into about 25 seconds. But if they keep doing that, um, the problem that the eight the, pro- the problem no the problem that Roglic has is he lost all of his support about 2k even He's less not into the climb for a team as strong as. No, absolutely not. Um, or Mitchelton Scott, who had people left. Mm. Um, obviously, Astana of the strongest team there. And so the only chance everyone has, I think, is in, and Bahrain had a few people there as well. So the chance that they've got is the fact that they can isolate him and, and make sure that he does all the can't, chasing. Their team can't cover every move. It, I'm reminded, obviously, of the move that caused Froome to lose the, the Vuelta yeah. a couple of years ago, where he was, for want of a better word, mugged. He was looking the other way. Everyone, his entire team were getting bidons from the mm. team car. Contador went with a group, got two minutes. No one wanted to help. That you know, without a strong team, that stuff is very easy to happen. Yeah, and it could be someone completely unknown. For that reason, I you know, it seems at this point Roglic is very strong, but I am not ruling out Yates on the basis of him being three and a half minutes behind. Behind, it's, yeah, he's, what is he, 340 behind, odd behind Roglic. But it's more of a concern that he lost that most of that time on one climb, which mm-hmm. suggests that unless he was having a very bad day, an anomaly, he's not going to be in the form to take that back. But um, Unless he does we'll, we'll a... Wait and see. Unless, he, unless, he, <laughs> unless he rails, unless he doesn't rail any gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
what do we think then? I'm still just for the hell of it going to say I still want him to win. No, I'm saying that because I want him to Are win. Are you jumping ahead to making the calculation? Not necessarily. I'm actually teeing David up because we promised a couple of weeks ago that we'd go into more detail with. Um, I mentioned this was potentially yeah. the sixth consecutive win by a British rider in a Grand Tour, and I wanted to come up with some stats uh, to put that into perspective, uh, which David uh, kindly did for me. David, I mean, it didn't take very long. I've got to be honest with you. So the only ta- the only David, country- tell us about your cursory search of Google. My cursory search of Google found that the only country that has won more Grand Tours in a row is France which won the first six Grand Tours in a row because they were all Tour de France. But to clarify, that Tours was when the France. only Grand Tour on was the Tour. Was the Tour de France and pretty much every rider in it was French. In um, the same way that almost all the... the th- how many how many win- what, how many many what of the first winners of the Giro were Italian? The first 30-odd or something? Uh, Jesus. Uh, 1909 all the way to uh, Hugo Coblet, the peddler de charme uh, in 1950. Right, and then the Vuelta started in the 50s? Uh, the Vuelta started earlier than that. So the, Vuelta, the first Vuelta was 35 and was won by a Belgian. So who has won the most consecutive Grand Tours? Which country since all three Grand Tours have been going? That is Great Britain or the United Kingdom. With um, and the So Spain has done four a couple of times. So, so. so already we hold the record. Uh, Spain did four with Indurain, uh, Melchor Maori, Indurain and Indurain. Perhaps we need to stop winning them for that to be considered as amazing. Well, as you said, there's a very good chance to win it again. Yates Yates will be in the mix-up, although we'll come to where we're going to make the calculation later. We will make the calculation. Um, It's been flat. Hasn't it? It's been a weird old tour. Have you? Have you? Ever, can you remember I any Grand Tours that's been, been that? There's flat. been a, there's been some sprint sprint stages, but for me, the most consequential stage is the first time trial and then the very eventful second time trial. I mean, by no means flat. I was, yeah, it was oddly entertaining time trials. They've been the most the most several reasons. But even though, so they had climbs. So four time trials, they weren't flat. But if you look at the first half of the race, and we're halfway through now, it's I mean, it's. David, you finally picked a winner in in Caleb Ewan, having backed him, if you will. Too much, but there we go. Well, you either backed him or Viviani, didn't you? Viviani, um, yeah, has disappointed. Yeah, very disappointed. He'll be back back in the Tour de France. Um, An Italian champion's jersey. Um, If we we can come back to that time trial, there were were a number of talking points um, from that, not the least. The second um, time training. Yeah, not the least the fact that going into that final climb at the end, Yates was only 48 seconds down. But um, yes, no, it was a huge surprise because at that point, Yates looked as if he was going to keep limit his damage to Andre Mir, which would have been a really good result. And then out of nowhere, because there were no time checks on the climb, he, con- he came in conceding, going visibly slower, as to be said, having conceded over three minutes, which was a pretty, uh, well, it was a disaster. Um, like um, Final point in it. You wonder what else is going on with him there. Yes, I, no I, explanation from his Whether he's carrying, uh, whether he's picked oh. up a virus or. Well, Matt White typically kind of. Typically no, kind that's, of that's me, mate. That's a, <laughs> you, you're mistaking <laughs> Simon Yates for me. It's easily done. Or me it? for Simon Yates. Oh. But how does he. I mean, he, he finishes all his sentences like they're a question and really early at the end, and then he keeps speaking like that and says, you know, I'm really pleased with today, but uh, one of the things that he That's actually say, not an entirely wretched impression of was, It's all right, you know, we get, that's, that gets a pass. <laughs> kind, of, kind of, yeah, I wasn't 
it was a bit non-plastic initially, and then it kind of <laughs> kind of came into its own suddenly. Very good. Um, Hugh um, Carthy, another Brit, taking the young riders jersey. Yes, isn't that great? Huge. Um, he was great actually. He he was uh, he was only dropped right at the end of the climb. He'll lose the jersey tomorrow to Sivakov, I imagine, because Sivakov took a bit of time off him today. He was mm. a better climber, but um, yeah, it's good to see him. In it. Yeah, no, very encouraging. Um, I'm going to come back to to Yates. I was going to suggest that Matt White is DS. Has a habit of sort of being rigorously honest without saying anything, and his habit is, well, I'm going to be honest with you, mate. We we have no clue what happened there. Um, Yates Yates did. I did hear one interview where Yates suggested that maybe he rest. He came in a bit too rested, and that maybe they got that period of time wrong. So I think he had two weeks. I've made that same mistake. I mean, a little bit <laughs> <Yes>. too rested. <laughs> I know how you feel, Simon. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, to to most races, really. <laughs> the Do you other feel too rested, yeah, Steve? well. This year, do you feel too rested leading into the moment? That has been, um, that has been a concern. The other thing that happened during that TT was what? Which TT? The second or the first? The second. The greatest bike change yes. in history. Uh, Victor Campanat's bike change. Um, I don't know how many. I hope that most people have seen this. If not, I hope. I um, I hope <laughs> that people have seen this. If not, there's a video on YouTube. Have a look. Uh, what happened? Uh, so. He has a mechanical, Victor Campanats. Lotte Sedal's Victor Campanats has a mechanical, and the car is right behind him. Mechanic grabs what seems to be not Victor Campanats' bike off of the roof, um, legs it up to him as, the, as they do, presents bicycle. Um, Victor, our hero, uh, attempts to, uh, to mount because he's, he's almost on the, uh, on the upward bit of the climb, so he's just starting the climb. Um, it's, it's difficult in itself. Instead of sticking around to give him a push or stabilise him, mechanic runs off to get the bike that the Campanat's bike. Yeah, that's well, fallen you, on the floor. You've skipped over a height of height of kind of comedic farce here, where he pushed he the rider who wasn't yet on the Cameron bike. hadn't mounted his bike, and the the, the, the panic, he was clearly <laughs> panicking at this point. Tried to push him while standing. He pushed him a few paces forward, then abandoned the. Exercise. This is where he's saying, "Get on with it." I think. Um, then went back for the bike. Why? So yeah, doesn't wait for Campanats to mount. Instead, runs back for the bike and thinks, "Well, you get on with it." And so Campanats is is given a push by several fans who are at least on the ball enough also, the to, in to the jump wrong in. Gear as well, isn't it? In the wrong yeah, gear, it's very so, slow so it's start. it's the most amateur of bike changes, and compounded and it, by the fact. That he lost. Well, he probably lost about, he, well, he, he lost, he lost the, the time trial by eleven seconds, seconds. Mm -hmm. and he probably lost. You can probably add it up to what thirty seconds. Quite, quite possibly. I mean, it was such a kind of you know Trumpton bike change, wasn't it? It was. I feel know. for the mechanic watching Roglic come in and winning by eleven seconds because he must be praying, praying that his man managed to hold on to that. But the, the, everything like this that's going for you know Dumoulin. Um, injuring his knee so badly and dropping out Yates losing huge chunks of time where you don't think he's going to you need an awful lot of luck to well you need a bit of luck to win a grand tour and Roglic has had an awful lot of luck already and we're only on stage 12 it yeah. seems like he's it's his 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 title it's a way of evening out so much can happen it takes one split second uh, albeit Rog Roglic yeah, is a fantastic descender he's a very confident descender um, anything can happen as you know as we've seen so many times. Uh, also, just has have one bad day, and he also just has to be in, inattentive. Or his team decide to not follow a certain move, and also every, every other team has got to make him 
do all the closing down. And they it seems on today's evidence they can isolate him quite quickly. And if that's mm. true on every stage, you just send someone up and make him do the chasing. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to have to work 20% hard every other rider. He's lost the plus as well, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. What it is does mean is that it's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah. The, the, if, the next the, eight stages. If the first half of this tour, and, and it was was quite dull, to be honest, apart from a few incidents. The second half that is going to be... That is not helped flames. by just how damned entertaining last year's tour was. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's last true. year's Giro was, yeah. I should say. Um, but also, we haven't seen the, the incredible scenery of, of the Giro yet because we've not hit the mountains, and actually a lot of it is just how beautiful Got the Gavia. Got yeah. the Gavia and Motorola. Uh, well, do well, we, though? Do that's we, the yeah. question. Uh, it, I, I think on today's uh, most recent kind of thing, they, they think it's going to be okay. But when they hit the Gavia, which is... Why might it not be 19? okay for people? I think it's 16, actually. Um, it's 16. So mm. there we are. It's the queen um, stage. four metres high of snow at the moment, which they're going to have to literally carve a road through, carve the road through. And they're doing so. And they'll have wall, four metre high walls I will fly to Milan yeah. myself <laughs> with a snowplow. Yeah, yeah, with a spade, maybe. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think they'll let you take so snowplows on planes. And, <laughs> and, and drive out to the, the foot of the Gavia and get up there and carve a... a yeah. A path myself. So I've got to do that and the Motorola. I want to see day. it. I want to see them. I want to see them attack the Gavia in a blizzard, Andy Hampton style. Well, we've seen that a couple of times. It always makes for a spectacular stage, if not a, a particularly nice one for the riders. So we mentioned Tom Dumoulin there, chaps. Shall uh, talking of, of Dutch Grand Tour winners or Dutch champions, certainly. Shall we go to um, the Tour of California? This is not a seamless segue. But the uh, the Tour of California was won by Anna van der Breggen. The Women's Tour of California. The, well, the Women's Tour of California, obviously. Yeah. I don't think she won the men's. We'll come to that. Um, Hannah Alton can tell us more. Hannah. Hi. Yeah, so uh, this week the Women's Mountain Bike World Cup opened uh, with Cross Country at Albstadt. Um, I watched as much of it as I could get away with at work because, well, because mountain biking is so much fun and it makes me really grin but also because there's a few rider crossovers with the World Tour. Um, for example, Trek Segafredo's Yolanda Neff is a former cross-country world champion. Um, but actually, mainly, I was curious to see Annika Langvad race mountain bikes, having seen her ride on the road for Bowles Dolman this year. She won Cape Epic earlier this year in a team pair with defending road world champion and Bowles Dolman's teammate, Anna van der Bregen. Um, and she went on to get podiums in Flesh Wallon and Strada Bianchi. Uh, however, Annika unexpectedly withdrew from the mountain bike race quite early on. Um, there was some speculation that there'd been an off-camera crash, as it all seemed quite sudden. Um, this all comes after a really strong start to her year, so I hope she's okay. Also this week, we had the 11th race of the Road World Tour, which was the Amgen Tour of California. A three-stage race to the men's seven. Um, it generally has nice wide roads and a lot of space to race in. Stage one started in Ventura. Um, it was really windy, it looked hard work. Uh, 20k from the finish, Anna van der Bregen launched a massive attack to catch and pass Olga Zabalenskaya, um, who up until that point had had about a minute's lead on the peloton. Uh, Anna won the stage and just made it look easy. Stage two was a climbing day with a mountaintop finish on Mount Baldy. Um, Corin Rivera rode strongly like I thought she might for Team Sunweb, but Canyon Sram's Oma Shapira was really impressive. Um, she built a solo lead that she maintained until about 5k from the end. Um, she was then caught by the Bowles Dolman's double act that was Katie Hall and Anna van der Bregen, who went on to take the first two spots on the podium. 
Um, Ashley Mormon Passio made a giant effort to free herself from Casio Nuvia Doma and take the third place. Um, I'm really pleased she avoided the rubbish luck she's been having with crashes and punctures this year to get a podium. She really deserved that. Stage three started at the Rose Bowl Stadium in Pasadena and was really fast and aggressive from the off. Um, by the time the riders reached the Angeles Forest Highway, which was the only categorised climb in that stage, the peloton had just completely fallen apart and was shrinking by the minute. Um, there was a bunch sprint finish, which Elisa Balsano won for Valcar Silence, her first ever World Tour win, in fact. She's a really strong sprinter, but I was, uh, I was surprised she managed to hang on over the climbs that stage, so it was really impressive. So, what's coming up next? Um, Imakumin Bira is coming up next, that's the answer. Uh, it's in the Basque Country, um, and it's actually one of the oldest races in the women's calendar. It's been around since 1998. Yoli Dor took her first win of the year for Bowles Dolmens, which is a really triumphant ret- return to form from her broken collarbone at the start of the season, so that's nice. Um, I'd also like to give a shout out to Abby Van Twisk, who has popped up on the start list for Trek Segafredo. Um, her dad works around the corner from me, and so I just wanted to say hi, and we're rooting for you, and good luck. Um, and with that, I will hand back to the rest of you in the studio. Thank you, Hannah. Do, do any of us live around the corner from famous cyclists? I don't think I do. Have we no. ever? I don't know. We probably do. Let's face it. Your man, it lives in Clapham. Simon Gerrans. Simon Gerrans. And that's so close to Clapham literally Common. just around the corner from here. Commuting into the city every day. Mm. Yeah, it's not far from here, I suppose. I've seen all... Tao grew up near here. I presume he's still London-based. He's a hackney boy. Yeah. I doubt it. He's probably he was always down living there somewhere much. He was down there turn wasn't he? And Hill. Much more um, conducive to, to getting out on your bike. Well, the London... Um, Wiggins was obviously... Kilburn. Kilburn. That's it, I think. And Stephen Balby. Mm, I live next to. No, I'm just saying. Cyclist. You know, you're a famous cyclist. Famous cyclist. Oh, you didn't. You lived near Magnus Backstead for a while. Backstead. Backstead. <laughs> Stop. Do you <laughs> that I lived in Have southern you Wales? Yes, yes, no. Relative. <coughs> I suspect we live next to quite a few in London. But um, that's true. It's not very exciting, is it? Apologies. Let's cut this section out. I well, I mean, so should we talk about the Tour of California? Yes. Uh, or as you called it, the Under-23 Tour of California. The under, yeah, the Under-23s race was brilliant. <laughs> I thought it was the Under-23s race, and it turns out it was the real race. So the first, I think the third, the top three in GC were all uh, under twenty. Well, they were. Yeah. Uh, um, sorry, that's a lie. Casper Asgreen's 24. Is he? Yeah, so. All right, thank you for checking that. Um, second at the Tour of Flanders, Casper Asgreen. Impressive. Uh, quick step. Yeah, he's had a, an excellent season. Um, so we'll go, we'll go top three in reverse order. Yeah. So... Asgreen at the Kern and Quick Step. Sergio Higita. So he's an interesting guy. Education so, first. Another pure climber from, and this will shock you, <laughs> Colombia. So he was he was at a Columbia, the Colombian team a couple of seasons ago, left to join uh, Uscardi and was bought out of his contract by EF not that long ago, like about a month ago. Which is pretty big because they don't have the biggest budget. No, and education he's 21 first. and they, that, was his first, that was his first world tour um, appearance in a World Tour team and to finish second in the Tour of California. Well, I mean, you've got to feel for him in a way because he came up against a guy who is not only the youngest ever winner of the Tour of California, he's yeah. also the youngest ever winner of the World Tour sta- stage race. Yeah. Um, so Tade Pojakar, UAE um, team Emirates, is really just how old? 20 years old. Oh, same, Steve, same you sound confidence. so... Yeah. <laughs> he's so bored. Yeah. <laughs> just get on with it. I like. just think he's depressed that people can be that talented and, and uh, so young. So another young. Slovenian. So we can have consecutive World Tour stage or well, men's stage races won by Slovenians. 
we need to go to four and five on the podium for the Tour of California. Uh, we'll start with number four, our man George Bennett, yeah, friend yeah. of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet, but he's a friend of the show. Yeah. But we, we think he's a glorious yeah. rider. Are we going to um, have a T-shirt made up for him presented? Uh, yeah, the yeah. George yeah. Bennett, some sort of George Bennett award. We'll think of a pun, yeah. George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some sort of Sharky and George, I mean, Nibley and George, I don't know. Oh, I, I, I yeah. um, importantly, George, I importantly for, uh, for this podcast, or at least for this, for this group, for this studio, who came fifth, Stephen? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. He can't even bring himself to say it because it was Richie Port. Yeah. It was Richie, Richie Port. Port and who bet that, that Richie Port would not be on the podium? Who bet that he would be, first of all? Well, I, I suggested one. he might be or that I would like him to be, but, but I don't did go so you far bet as to socks? wager to have skin in the game on this. No, no but who did have skin in the game? Or socks in the game? I... Put my faith in Richie Port. David Quinton put his Why faith in Richie Why do we do Port. it? Why <laughs> do we keep putting our faith in so He got a mechanical. He would have been fine. He what got a mechanical. Do you know? Other excuses are available. Uh, what do you owe me? But this is the point. As soon as we stop doing it, he's going to win. To be fair, he wins a pair of socks. A good pair of socks. So at the Marmot, I'm going to present you, and we'll show pictures of, a variety of lovely socks. Lovely socks. Three pairs now. Lovely, um, specifically cycling socks. Yes, yeah, specifically cycling socks. It was, it was How a How do we define a cycling so- sock? Let's be clear about this. This is a matter of heated debate. I don't want to get... I don't want to... Yeah, you know, I think just, you should buy it from this person who calls it cycling socks, I think is the best way well, to Well, I mean, do they stop below a certain length? I mean... Well, uh, we, we can go into this later because we're going to stock our own life behind bars. Oh, Exquisite cycling socks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I designed them. Our own stash. Um, so the Battle of Mount Baldy, George Bennett and Richie Port were fighting it out towards the top, but Projekar and Higita well, were, they were a, a class of early really. on, to be honest, because uh, Higita attacked fairly about halfway up, um, and it was, a, it was a killer attack, to be honest, and the only person that could get anywhere near him was, um, was the eventual winner. Um, uh, they they kind Project of let Bennett yeah, Project and they kind of let Bennett back on when Bennett had a dig with about three hundred meters to go. He had a proper dig. He'd caught up, but only because they'd slowed down as soon as they accelerated. And actually, Higita only lost it because he took the last corner wrong. And if he'd watched his teammate win on there a couple of seasons ago, which was Talansky beat Micah, I think it was doing the same thing because Micah went wide. Glad you mentioned Micah. Yeah. Why are you glad I mentioned Rafa Micah? Well, because we're going to make the calculation. We are going to make the calculation. Are you going to... Uh, I almost want you. I didn't commit to He's going to be, because I know you want. Sorry, I don't understand the reference there. Are you no. suggesting we're going to Michael the... Con- the no, no. This is not a pun. No. So, David, introduce the segment for us with your best Sean Kelly. Make the calculation. <laughs> <laughs> I failed. Right about now. Right about now. You've been making the calculation. What have you been pulled there? Making the calculation in no, honour of the no, great... Of the great Can I just um, interrupt at this point just to... Uh, it's Stephen Bowby born This was one of the greatest <laughs> things I've ever heard on TV, so I'm going to share it with you. Now, I did share it with you two at the time, but because Sean Kelly has been his famous phrase, making the calculation, um, you have to extend that <laughs> penultimate vowel sound, I think. Um, he's been doing it for a, he's throughout his broadcasting career, and uh, um, it was a couple of years ago during one of the Grand Tours, and Colton Kirby got a bit carried away um, and, and said, he's, you know, he's got, he's got to make a choice. He's got to make the calculation. He's, he's making a choice. He's making a calculation. And uh, Sean Kelly chimed in to say, well, 
it's always about the calculation. Then there was a pause, and both of them looked at each other in the broadcasting box and burst out laughing because they know. <laughs> they know, don't they? Yeah. They know. It's, yeah, they know it's a joy. So the calculation we're making, chaps, is your top three for the Giro, and I've I've sort of opened the door. I'll revise here. top three. Yeah. So it's I've got opened, you first. So one to three for me because Primoz Roglic, I can't see him losing it. As I was saying. Everything is going in his favour. He is he's come in hot and he's he's deliberately lost time where he's wanted to do. He's quite comfortable at the moment, I think. When we when we hit the mountains, as we're about to, he's only gonna get stronger by comparison to the rest of the field. He's number one. Nibbly will continue to rise, the shark will finish number two, and Raphael Micah, who I, I, I picked as my dark horse, I think, or at least you two rubbished it when I picked him. Did you actually pick? I can't remember if I committed to him or not. I can't remember. I can't remember all the. You're doubling down. Well, yeah, certainly now I'm committing to him. Um, So he is my he's my number three because he's he's at seven minutes at the moment, and I think we can. Good, isn't he? Yeah, Trek Secretary. Yeah. He's been a grand. Yes, I'm characteristically strong for someone who might I've deemed unfairly to be on the wane for some time. Yeah, I mean he 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 famously won the uh, didn't he win the stage where from. We've won two stage yeah. 2016, he did. Um, Come on, boys. Well, I'm, I'm not going to calculate who I think will win. I'm going to say who I want to win. I'm <laughs> for the eighth and it will be... A, uh, yeah, he's followed by Tao, here's a couple of things. The thing is about predictions is, right? Right. I suck at them these days. <laughs> However, I used to be good because I remember finishing fifth in a road cycling UK fantasy Giro a couple of years in a row, actually. Fifth and seventh, two years in a row. Out of about 30,000 people. Out of, out of seven. Yeah, <laughs> 30,000 people. And I, and I was the top scorer in week three and I was very proud and I got some prizes and, but most of them got confiscated at the airport. So that was... They were, they were tools with sharp objects. Who are you I digress. Um... However, I think a couple of things will happen. Either it will be Roglic will essentially boss it and it will be a completely undramatic race and he'll be impervious and scary. Or he will be attacked all over the place. It'll be a war of attrition, come down to uh, one of a final recital of a few seconds, which I want to happen. Or he'll crash out or have a terrible day and some unknown person or Simon Yates will win. And I'm going to go for the last. I'm going to say that's what's going to happen. So who's going to be two and three? I don't care. I just want the British. Come on, person. one, come two, on. three. One, come two, three. Come on. Come on. Right, uh, Yates, Nibali third, and an unknown person, someone we haven't mentioned or thought of before, comes second. Zachary. No, not there. No, no, except him. Yes. Sivakov. Sivakov. Oh, that's a bulge. Oh, you like that, though, don't you? He'll end up. He'll have the young riders' jersey tomorrow. It's my prediction. Team Ineos. David, um, my one, two, three. I think. Uh, the way it's going to play out, judging by today, is there's going to be a lot of attacks on Roglic. He's going to be forced to keep closing them down, and at some point he will crash. I think Nibali will win it, because, and he'll win it on the time trial at the end, because he'll beat the likes of Lopez in the time trial, even though it's only short. Uh, so I think it's going to be Nibali. I so think we're all just ignoring... Well, you haven't ignored the obvious. You've gone with Roglic. I think it's going to be... You've, you've gone with Roglic as well, haven't you? No, I said he won't feature. I thought something will happen. Maybe that's heart-ruling head. Not that I dislike Roglic in any sense. I'm just really rooting for another British victory. I don't. I think Yates has a problem if he struggle on that climb. So I'm going to go with, uh, quite unusually, I, and it could be completely wrong, I'm going to go Nibali, uh, Molima, and Superman Lopez. Very good. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Um, 
and and see who owes who socks by the end of the Giro. So is this for socks? Is it? Well, just, and so curiously, and I was certain one of you would do this. Huh? Neither of you called me Micah on the podium for socks. No, what no. socks then? Oh, socks so you're not allowed. <laughs> well, well, well I, I, still allowed. Uh, yeah, okay. I, Absolutely. I, well, I don't think Mike is going to finish on the podium. Has he ever finished on no, the podium? No, at all? no, no. Then new, don't nor will he ever finish on the podium. As you said, Bora having a good year. It could happen. It won't. But you know, socks. I think. I mean, I'm so far ahead on socks at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Socks coming out your ears. Jolly good. What we haven't done, chaps, as we as we draw this glorious episode of Life Behind Bars to a close, is mentioned our social handles. Where can you find us, David? At Top Tube. No, because that's our old name. Oh dear! No. I even gave you the cue. You did. Let's start. What we need to so, do up again? No, it's staying in. <laughs> yeah, so, socially, <laughs> yes, we are available on Instagram at. Yes. At Life Behind Bars podcast. Life Behind Bars co- podcast. Codpast. Yeah. Codpast. <laughs> <laughs> After you've had your fish supper. Yes. Um, Twitter. Uh, at LBB pod. Nice. Is it really? Yes. Lovely. Yes. Good. Um, Facebook. At, uh, Facebook is Life Behind Bars podcast. All right. Steve, have you had a nice time? Uh, I'm going to be doing some training. Good. You gonna train this Before week? Before we see you next? Yeah, I'm going to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm Ooh. gonna do it. Gonna so do it. Yeah. it's been great. It's been great. Well, the, the question is, can you do less than fifty k? Before. Well, Before that's a decision I'm going to have to make over the weekend. Do I actually now attempt to train, or do I? I think go you've got to go. You've got to go with the will go school possible. of thought, which yeah. is it's going to be fine. And you've got to have chips on it top of Olivier. On the Telegraph, I said. Telegraph chips on the Telegraph. So you're actually laying out a challenge that I do no training complete within the time limit. And Stop have for a bowl, a bowl of, of chips and a Mars bar and a Telegraph <laughs> and wonder I, why what, you didn't make what, the, the time. What, what, what if? <laughs> I do it, no training. Yeah. Stop for a bowl of chips and a Mars bar specifically. Take a photo of it. Yeah. Take my time. I'm going to need a video. A photo <laughs> then won't finish do. within the time limit. Wow. Well, oh, that's then, we'll, then we'll buy we'll buy your dinner that evening. I would give you. I would. I think we'd go bigger than that. Yeah, yeah we'll go bigger than that. that. We'll talk about it. We'll open up. <laughs> we'll open up next week's show by uh, establishing by establishing exactly what sort of reward you will get for doing what I did last year and finishing and the marmot within the, challenge. the time yeah. limit. Okay, yeah. so it's good night from him, David Quinton, and it's good night from Stephen Balby. Hello, and Stephen ruined it. Well, he was going to pass it on to me, and then he just sort of. Didn't Lost bother. interest. Oh, well. It's Same. good night from me. <laughs> Graham Wilgos, we'll see you next week. Jessica Ennis. Jessica Ennis, good night. Good night. <laughs> from Life Behind Bars. Uh, see you next time. Mm-hmm.